summer is always an interesting time for college ministry. I've seen it go one or two ways. Generally, the trend is um, there's, there's, one, there's one side of it that says, uh, you know, you go home and you, you lose Wednesday night worship. You lose small group. You don't have a church that you love like our awesome one here. Um, and then one thing, you lose the godly community too. And I've seen summers where um, you don't have that accountability and you can get stagnant or even regress in your faith. I've seen that happen. But on the flip side and the more positive side, I've seen summers do amazing things for this ministry. I've seen people go off to short-term mission trips and had their heart changed. I've seen people stay here in cruises and had kind of one-on-one training for discipleship and really grow in that. I've seen people go to camps and just come back um, as people who came here to AFC and just kind of sat and absorbed, and they came back as leaders and as disciple makers. And it's not just that you come back as a leader for my sake in this position, but you come back with a purpose. You come back with a passion. You come back knowing what's important. So um, summer can be a great time to experience um, to experience what it can mean to be a disciple maker. I was, uh, I was asked recently what I think the role of AFC is. What is, what is the mission of AFC? Um, I know that AFC is this, uh, is this stepping stone. I know that in four years, the more than likely this room is going to look 100% different, except for maybe Leon. Leon will probably still be here in four years. He's been here for about 40 years, but that's probably the only, that's probably the only face that's going to look the same in about four years, and I'm okay with that. The mission of AFC is to get you ready for the next stage in life. This is a great, exciting time of crossroads in your life where you're getting ready to um, step into role, uh, a career, you're stepping into family life as you're either going to be the head of the household. So what this ministry can do is it can, it can prepare you. It can prepare you as a godly man, a godly woman, to lead your family, to lead uh, your workplace, and just to be a disciple maker. Uh, and the summer can be a great time to do that. So if you really need to plan out your summer, come talk to me. We have some, we have some opportunities. And lastly, as far as announcements goes, looking, um, looking forward to next semester in the fall, um, there is two internships open, a guy and a girl. And we've had a lot of interest on the guy side. We've had a couple on the girl side. If you are interested, this is the last time I'm going to be announcing it. You need to come talk to me. We need to go get coffee in the next week. I'm going to decide before the last AFC. I mean, it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some thought. But if you're looking for a paycheck and just looking to kill some hours during the week, this is definitely not the job for you. Um, it, there is a paycheck. You do get some hours. But what this is, I need, some, I need somebody that loves Jesus. I need a couple of people that really love Jesus and want to see his name proclaimed on that campus. I think God's going to do some big things in the coming semesters. I'm excited about the foundation of leaders that we have here. I need some interns to take that and run with it. So if you love Jesus and you need a part-time job next semester, come holler at me and we'll go get some coffee. So that's it for the, uh, the announcements, the housekeeping. I really kind of hate having to do that, but now we're going to move into this next form of worship where we get, to, uh, we get to study, we get to teach, we get to preach, we get to listen. Um, I believe this is a form of worship. So with that being said, if you'll pray with me and for me, that'd be great. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight uh, just asking to be hidden behind the cross. Lord, I pray that uh, whatever words I have will fall on soft, open hearts. Uh, whatever you don't want to be heard will fall flat to the floor, Lord. Um, I thank you for this godly group of individuals who, in a community, uh, a campus that says the world has passions and exciting things to offer, God, you say that you have something better to offer. And I thank you to go um, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder with believers every week that say uh, pursuing you is more important. Lord, most of all tonight, we thank you for your son. We thank you for what he did on the cross. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. For the past few weeks, we've been in uh, my favorite book of the Bible, Joshua. And uh, instead of doing a recap, a big giant recap every week, I'll try to keep it kind of short. What's happening right now in the book of Joshua is God's people have been promised this certain land, this piece of real estate, right? Uh, thus, we're going to call it the promised land. And the leader of God's people is Joshua. 
the book of Joshua is broken into four parts. That's on the next slide right there. Last week we talked about crossing the Jordan. Crossing into the Jordan River um, and, and onto the other side of the promised land was a big deal for God's people because it required a miracle. And we talked about that last week and God showing up there. Tonight we're talking about conquering the land. Tonight we're going to talk about a couple battles that happened. We're going to talk about um, some victories that God did, some losses that he wasn't involved in and what that looks like. And then the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about what um, dividing the land and serving the Lord in the land looked like after after that. Tonight, I want to talk to you about three battles, three battles that happened. We're talking about conquering. We're literally talking about war a little bit tonight. The first battle I want to talk about is, called, is this battle at Jericho. If you had any, if you've watched any Veggie Tales or if you had any Sunday school room experience at all, Jericho's a battle and a, a victory where the God's people marched around a city, they blew some trumpets, made a yell, and a miracle happened, and it fell flat to the ground. Then I want to tell you about this time where God's people tried taking over the city called Ai, A-I, Ai. At first they did it without God, they ran into some problems, then God gave them the victory when he was involved. And lastly, we're going to talk about one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible. It's called, um, it's where the sun stood still. That's where the title comes from tonight. Um, it's where they battled the five Amorite kings. And so there's a third battle, a third victory that we're going to talk about tonight. And it really just kind of shows the character of God's people, this kind of cycle of how God's people used to handle things and, and how we can apply it to us tonight. So if you've been here for any of the previous studies, you've probably heard me say that the book of Joshua is a book that really highlights how things start going really, really well for God's people once they finally start doing what God says to do. The promised land that God wants to give his people is going to bring stability, blessing, and joy. But um, the there's a fundamental thing that we can imply about the Christian walk now as the Christian walk then is a blessing without God is no blessing at all. I'll say that again. A blessing without God is no blessing at all. As we read about the Israelites in the promised land, uh, we're going to see that um, when God is present in situations, when he's present in the consultation of what you're about to do, that victory and success comes. And when you remove God from the equation, um, defeat and devastation can happen. So the land, being the promised land, is a, is a blessing. Um, but if God is not involved in it, it's going to be a curse, right? So let me give you a few examples that kind of um, apply to us in the modern time. For, um, for all intents and purposes, a job is a good thing, Right? Maybe not necessarily waking up for a job, but a job is a good thing. We need to pay bills. We need to support our families. We need to uh, put food on the table. So, um, so a job is technically a good thing. Now, you can have a job that oppresses people. You can have a job that asks you to give up on your moral standards, um, that makes you live a life that might be legal to... Uh, to what the, the world says you can do, but um, makes you question what God would have you do. Therefore, a job is not always a blessing if God is not present in it. Another relationship, another example is romantic relationships. Yes, it is good for man not to be alone. Um, it is good that God created marriage. Marriage is an example of how Christ loves the church. God created marriage um, for the fullness of sex to be enjoyed. And we all know, we're all going to find out that sex is a very good thing. So we can praise God in that. Um, therefore, relationships are a good thing. Now, if you picture a relationship that is void of God, a relationship where there's constant cheating or there's lies, deceit, um, always tearing each other down, not being able to trust that person, that blessing of a relationship is actually no blessing at all. 
So we're in the book of Joshua, and we're talking about the promised land, how the promised land is a blessing. Now, at first, God grants this, this great victory at first to God's people. It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the, the, um, the, the battle of Jericho. Now, he says, he tells Joshua, you're going to have the people march around the city for six days, one time each day. On the seventh day, you're going to march seventh time. And then, uh, and then we pick it up in verse 20 um, of chapter 6, and this is what's going to look like on the last day. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great, a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So that when the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. You see already um, this first battle in the promised land is not much of a battle. God's kind of like, hey, the, the reason why this is going to be successful the reason why this land is going to be a blessing is because I'm in it. It's because I'm with you. Not because you have some super great, like, Jedi marching, shouting skills. Is this going to be a promised land for you, a blessing? It's because I'm with you. And the conquering and the destruction of Jericho was um, the first of many victories that happened in that book. I mean, for the most part, Joshua is this, if you're a believer, Joshua is this really feel-good story about God's people. Things just go really, really well. But after this battle of Jericho, a couple verses later, we see what happens when God's people don't consult him. So we're, we're talking about the second battle. I was telling you about the battle of Ai. And what happens here is Joshua sends out a couple spies, and they come back really confident. And they say, man, like, what we just did to Jericho, taking, the, taking Ai is going to be cake. We don't have to send everybody. It's going to be easy. Send a couple men to go take care of business, and, uh, and, and that's going to be that. Well, they didn't, they didn't pray. They didn't consult God. They didn't, say, they didn't ask God what the, his will for this, for this conquest is. There was sin in the lives of the people. And Israel was utterly crushed in battle. And thus, Joshua, as a leader, he was crushed. He was, uh, he kind of said, like, God, like, why did you even bring us into this promised land? Why, if you, why do you even cross the Jordan? Why don't you just leave us in slavery? Why, why, why? He fell on his face crying. And I've told you before in, the, in this series that there was about 15 times before this point where God told Joshua, be strong, be courageous. And I believe it's because God knew Joshua was going to, Joshua was going to blow it. Joshua is this, this character, he pretty much wears his heart on his sleeve. And so somebody who's been pinned as having done that before, pinned as a sensitive guy, can kind of relate. But Joshua, his heart just can't handle this right now. He's so crushed that this happened with him at, um, at control. And God's not, exactly, God's not exactly pleased with his reaction to this. We see in um, verse 10 of chapter 7, it's on the next slide. This is God's response to Joshua. He says, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. It's kind of like God saying, like, what did you expect? What did you expect? You went, into this, you went into this promised land. You went into this battle with me. The first one was with me, and I showed you these great miracles and what I was going to do for you, and you go into this one without me? What, what did you think was going to happen? I wasn't consulted about this. It's kind of a, kind of a head-scratcher, really. I... Um, I sat down with a, a kid last week for coffee, and he, um, his main issue in life right now is the girl that he was seeing, uh, they were having some problems, right? They, uh, and he's starting to tell me about these problems. He says, uh, he says you know, when we're, at, when we're at house parties and we get drunk, we, we always fight with each other. We try to make each other jealous. Or, um, you know, like he, he confessed that they had been having sex outside of marriage and that they had been doing all these things to um, kind of eat at each other. He says... Uh, and they're not plugged into a church or, or the ministry or anything like that. He says, um, but, but we pray together. We pray together. We're Christian. I was like, I was like oh, yeah? <laughs> I, was, 
I was like, all right. He, he wants to get coffee. He wants to know, like, how do I make a Christian relationship work? How can, I, uh, how, how can I have that trust and that joy that it looks like there's so many relationships in the church have? I'm sitting here scratching my head. I was like, I was like my man, I mean, you want to do all these things against God, like clearly violate what God wants in a romantic relationship, but you want the blessing? It doesn't make sense. It's like saying, saying like, I want a six-pack without going to the gym. It's like saying, I want a paycheck without having a job. It's like Joshua saying, I want to win battles without God. It's crazy. One of the sermon uh, notes points that I want you to remember tonight is you can't expect God's blessings while ignoring his commands. Now, this came from a much better preacher than my, me. I stole this, so you can say amen after I say this again, but you can't expect God's blessings while ignoring his commands. Amen? God later gives the Israelites another shot at defeating I, the second battle that I was ta- telling you about. Um, this time, the people have removed the sin in their life. They've consulted God, and therefore, God has promised them victory. There's this awesome visual that God asks um, Joshua to do. He says, during this battle, what I want you to do is I want you to hold out a javelin while they're fighting. I want you to hold it out kind of in victory and let the people know that, you know, I promise this to you. And so Joshua has this, um, has this javelin. It's stretched out over, uh, over the battle. And, uh, and we see another example of Joshua kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve here again. In the next verse, we see, we see this. It says, but Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. I'm going to do a little filler here and imagine what Joshua was doing when he held his hand out longer than he had to. He's probably pretty emotional. He's probably handing that, has that javelin out with a, with a grimaced face, probably, probably tears running down his face because he had seen what happened when they tried doing it without God. His people were killed, decimated. He lost men under his, under his control. He, he, he lost men because they didn't consult God. And you see this, this emotional Joshua where he's holding out that javelin. He is like, we are going to do this to completion until I know, like I know, like I know, that this battle is in hand. We're going to, um, I, I think I can, I can assume that that's what happened because of what Joshua did directly after this battle. He gathers all the people of Israel together and they go over the law of Moses again. He renews the covenant of Moses with the people again. He's kind of reminding the people, he says, look, he says, we lost it. We lost our way a little bit. But now we're going to get back to what, what got us here. We're going to follow this, this law, this command, and we're going to expect his blessings. This, uh, this series of um, victories and loss and a victory again, it, it really taught Joshua something. Not only should we ask God for things and about things, but we should, we should ask boldly and with great conviction. I want to uh, close tonight with my, my favorite, all-time favorite passage of Scripture um, in the whole entire Bible. It's from, uh, it's what we got our sermon title at tonight. It's called, uh, it's called Sun Stand Still. And this passage meant so much to me that six months ago, I decided to get it tattooed on my wrist. And then tonight, I decided to wear a watch over it for some reason. And I was going to be talking about it. But uh, um, oh, what's happening here is here's another battle. Here's another battle. Here's a third battle we're going to talk about tonight. And um, what happens is God's people are gaining all this momentum in the promised land, right? They've, they've won a couple battles and people are starting to talk. And so these five Amorite kings are like, all right, we've got to get together. We're going to put our kingdoms together, and we're going to stop this Israelite advancement. 
And so this is kind of like the all-star team put together to stop Joshua and the Israelites. But what God does here, he says, he says, do not fear, for I've already given them into your hands. So before this battle, God already promises them, hey, I'm with you in this. You've consulted me. I'm going to be with you. This battle is yours. And so the battle begins. And sure enough, the Israelites just start wrecking shop, right? It's not even a contest. These five kingdoms put together, they can't even stand up against um, these men. God, do some, God does some miracles in this battle as well. But the one problem, the only thing that could stop God's people from finishing this battle was it started to get dark. So Joshua is, a, is the leader of God's people, and he's watching this battle. He's watching his people just, just take care of business, but he's watching the sun go down too. I mean, remember what Joshua's just seen. Joshua's just seen the walls of Jericho fall down. He's seen miracles all throughout this time in the promised land. So what Joshua does is he prays and he asks for a miracle. He asks God for another. Joshua 10, verses 12 through 14, my favorite verses in the whole entire Bible. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stands still at Gibeon and the moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord has heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Joshua spoke to God telling him, or asking him really, he says, he says, God, like, stop the sun right where it's at. He says, I know this battle is ours. I know we're winning. I know we're going to win, but we need a little bit more time. And so he prays that the sun would stand still. Think about that miracle for a second. And then I want you to think about something else. Think about the last couple of prayers you prayed. And then think about this, think about this prayer that Joshua prayed. I'm going to venture to say, and I don't want to offend you with this, but I'm going, to, I'm going to venture to say that you pray some pretty boring prayers. I say that because I do too. I'm guilty of this too. What are some things that we usually say in prayers? Um, Lord, be with me today. He's God. Create the universe. He's omnipresent. Of course, he's with you. Um, God, show me your will for my life. He's given us this awesome book that says, love me and make disciples for me. That's his will for your life. Everything else falls in line with that. I'm not bashing these prayers. I'm not bashing some of this verbiage. I'm just saying our prayer life is boring when we think about that we're praying to the same God that stopped the sun in its tracks. My, uh, when, I, when I decided to get this tattoo, I was going through some, uh, I was going through some big transitions in my life. Some big, big things that I, I was praying big prayers. I was praying big, big prayers. My mom has this theory that she drilled into me um, for, for years, and she even reminded me of this a couple weeks ago. She says, um, she says, everybody once in their life should attempt something where that if God doesn't show up and answer their prayers, you'll surely fail. Everybody in their life should try something at least once where it's so big, it's so out there, that if God doesn't show up, you'll surely fail. And that's a scary thought, right? You know, I'm going to pursue something that's outside of my control, something that I'll surely fail at if God doesn't show up. 
I wish my prayer life resembled uh, what it did when I, when I decided to ink this on myself. I guess I got it so I could remember times like this where I'm praying to this big, big God. I'm praying to the same God that stopped the river of Jordan so the Israelites could pass on dry ground. I'm praying to the same God that brought down the walls of Jericho with shouting and with trumpets. I'm praying to the same God that made the sun stand still. Joshua knew this. Joshua is the leader of, uh, he, he had learned both sides of this story. He says, with God, when God's with me, when I consult God, victory, success. When God not in my decisions, devastation and defeats. In closing tonight, I guess the takeaway is this. It's put God in these crossroads of our lives. Everything you got going on right now, school, work, relationships, graduation, summer, whatever it is, put God at the center of it and see if things don't start making more sense. And then when he shows up and when you see him there for a couple times, <laughs> then you can start praying these bold prayers. You know, I've, seen God, I've seen what God can do when, I'm, when he's with me. Now I'm going to start praying these big, bold prayers where that if God doesn't show up, I'll surely fail. During these next few songs, um, maybe dwell on the sun stand still prayer that you need to make in your life. Because the exciting thing about all of this is we're serving the same God. The same God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you are the God that made the sun stand still. God, you have done miracles throughout time. You've shown up for your people time and time again. And for that, we can't help but be excited. We can't help but be grateful that you hear us. A people that doesn't deserve you, and yet we have access to you whenever we want. God, I pray tonight for this room that if this body of believers started praying sun stand still prayers, what this room would look like, what that campus would look like, what their individual lives, what my life would look like. God, I pray that you um, show up in mighty ways when we pray these prayers. I do pray that your, your will is revealed to us, but that we, that we come and we ask you boldly to show us. Lord, most of all, we thank you every night. We thank you every day for your son and what he did on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.